My name is Jamie Atkinson, founder of podcastclosing.com, and this show is built for six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts who are looking to grow and scale their customer acquisition using that show. If you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast and you want to get featured on this show to talk about your own podcast journey, go to top100interview.com. Now over to your glamorous host, Brittany Chaterbock, and don't forget to subscribe for daily interview content. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Bashi here. Today we have a super exciting guest, Cabrina Budwell. She guides leaders on an adventure to discover the link between their story, system, and strategy that becomes their secret weapon. She's also the host of the Top Shelf Creator Podcast. Welcome to the show, Cabrina. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I am too. It's a pleasure to have you. We're going to have some great conversation. We'll cover what's working, your challenges, your podcasts, and your goals. And I'm sure within that conversation alone, we'll have some great takeaways. Before we jump in, do you mind telling us a bit about your story and where you are today? Yeah, of course. So I think as far as any creator that comes into this space and is an entrepreneur, you come in thinking that you're going to start this business, you're going to make all this money, and it's going to be this amazing experience that you're not going to get in a nine to five. And then you get into the details and the research and the figuring out what problem you solve and all of that. And I found myself in that position. I kind of got thrown into entrepreneurship. Um, I actually started at a tech company when I had my first two kiddos and started getting asked by people, oh, do you do marketing consulting on the side? Do you do this? Do you do that? And started doing some consulting and then was asked if I did social media and then was asked if I did uh, website design and started creating all these things. And all of a sudden woke up one day with a marketing agency that was making $20,000 a month, but I wasn't happy. And I was like, how did I end up building basically my own nine to five is what happened. And so over the last about two years, I've been breaking those things down and saying, what of this do I actually enjoy doing? And what does my team enjoy doing? and pulling aside the other things. So we no longer do website design. We don't do ads. We are still a marketing agency, but we've restructured a lot in order to make what I actually want this to be and what I want it to be for the people that work for me and for our clients. Because I think that that's so important. As you get into this journey, you start to realize that if you're not happy as the owner and the leader, especially of a personal brand, it starts to show in every aspect of what you're doing in the business. Absolutely. No, I completely agree. It's, it all starts with you. So mm -hmm. as long as you're happy, your business is going to flow and it's going to yeah. thrive. What would you say was your true intention behind starting this business? For me, it really came down to time freedom and being able to do things with my kids because I was working at Disney, thought that that was going to be my path for forever and was really happy with that and working in that corporate setting and doing training there. And then I moved to Colorado to get married and ended up getting pregnant way faster than I thought was physically possible. Um, especially because birth control just doesn't work like they say that it does and mm -hmm. ended up with a two-year-old and a newborn teaching sign language at libraries and kind of had my own thing and was just really doing it because everybody says, start a business because you love something. And I love sign language. So I got accredited. I started teaching. I did all of the things, jumped through all the hoops, and then realized that it wasn't as viable of a business as I thought that it was going to be for many different reasons. And then I was kind of lost for a while. What do I do 
And my background is in marketing and leadership. So I always thought that I would do corporate turnarounds. And so started working in a tech company, realizing that this was a good way for me to stay at home with my kids because childcare was so expensive. And that's where I started getting asked to do other things. Um, as I started going through that path, I realized that I wanted to start a business because I needed to be able to make my own rules. And the way that businesses function a lot of times, especially as they get bigger, they start to have so much red tape and bureaucracy in them that they forget that there's people involved. And that's what I found myself in in a lot of the bigger corporations that I was with. And so I love corporations. I think that they're fantastic. And there's there's a place for small businesses, medium businesses, and corporations within the economy. And so understanding that there is no necessarily a bad guy in this for me was really important. And as I grew in my business, it really wasn't, I didn't necessarily start a business because I had these big goals and dreams because I was thrown into entrepreneurship. But as I've grown in this, I've realized that my main goal is to help people like me, creators, entrepreneurs, be able to go full time with whatever they're doing on the side to bring in that little extra money to have that vacation fund. Because I think that's how it starts for most of the people that I know. It's, hey, we need a little extra money to go on vacation. We need a little extra money to pay off our house a few years early. And being able to take those skills that you're using, making money on the side, and getting in out of this hustle mentality into this is feasible to do full time. And here's the systems and processes and resources in order to do so. Absolutely. I think that's, it's definitely how it starts for everybody. And then it just snowballs into like this big thing and so your full-time job. It's awesome. I love, I love the journey that comes with entrepreneurship. What would you say is your focus for 2023? My focus this year is really to get, grow my creator community. And the reason behind that is, is because we've got job boards that are newsletter and podcasts host and resources and DIYs and how to do things in a way that's more sustainable because there's so many things out there in the world right now. And this is what our audience has shown us over the last six months is that there's lots of shiny object syndrome happening of here's this one strategy. And if you do exactly what I say in this thing, it's going to work for your business, which we all know doesn't work. The whole one size fits all. This is not a back to the future outfit where you can push a button and it makes it the right size for you. We're not there yet. Mm -hmm. And so giving people resources and ways to do things that they can customize to their business of this is the basic framework. Here's the idea behind this. Now take this and make it your own flavor. It's like when you get a recipe from a family member and you decide to add in a little bit of extra vanilla, a little bit of extra almond extract, and you make it your own. And that's really what I want to teach in our community and growing that community of creators of supporting each other because we need each other. And there, we realized that in 2020, but I feel like we've drifted away from it in the last couple of years of I can do this by myself and people are going to steal my ideas if I put them out there into the world. And so many people's ideas are not getting out into the world because they're not putting anything out there because they're afraid somebody's going to steal it. So creating a community of people of honest, amazing humans that are really just wanting to see everybody in that community thrive. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what is your I guess, plan to achieve or to, to create that kind of a community. Cause I think that I think it's, I think it's a great idea. 
I think it's wonderful. And I'm glad that you bring up this whole thing about, you know, people being scared of other people stealing their ideas. There's a lot of possessiveness that I feel like comes with entrepreneurship. So it's great that you're trying to combat that. But how are you planning on bringing this group together? Yeah, so I think it starts with, I'm already in a group that has semi-started this um, that Terry Weaver runs called The Thing. And seeing people, getting good people in at the very bottom floor that are the leaders of this group is vital to this. But then that whole, your vibe attracts your tribe idea, the energy that you're putting out into the world is what's going to come back to you. And those are going to be the people that are attracted to you. The people that are going to come in and steal ideas, there might be a few that come in here and there, but teaching entrepreneurs that this is not about somebody coming in and stealing your grand idea, because even if they steal the idea, there's no way that they're going to be able to put the effort and efficiency behind it that you could. And there's lots of people who have gotten, I've got some really good friends who have had full programs stolen from them. And they still, as an entrepreneur, our job is to solve problems and come up with ideas. So you should have a plethora of ideas to keep coming to. And the thing about ideas and this idea of programs and how well you know your stuff and how you're teaching people is it comes down to mastery. And if somebody comes in and steals a basic top level idea, that's great. They still have to do all the work to dig down deeper into what mastery would be. Mm -hmm. Think about it like if you were digging a well for water, somebody could come and steal a couple top layers of soil and pretend like they're trying to dig that well, but they're never going to actually get there. These are the people that are digging two inch holes everywhere and might make a little bit of money here, a little bit of money there, but they never actually reach sustainable success. And they end up always going back to a job because it's just not something that's sustainable long-term. It's the people that dig down deep and go into those seasons of maybe I'm not seeing a whole lot of things. And, you know, you get into that darkness of digging this tunnel, wondering if you're ever going to hit water. And then you finally do. And it's because of that mastery of digging down deeper and being like, what is my process? What is my system? What am I teaching people that's different from everybody else? And how am I positioning myself based on those facts, which is one of the things that I help people with when they go through a framework fast track with me. And so being able to really understand what those pieces are of what's your story, how are we taking stories, how are we telling stories is very different than somebody just coming in and stealing it. So that's the first piece is helping people realize that even if somebody comes in and steals something, getting it out there is more important because we can't help people until we start getting things out there in front of eyeballs. The second thing is myself getting on podcasts and on stages and things like that, which is what I train some of my clients to do and getting more people into our community. And that's really where Top Shelf Creator came from is the idea of I wanted to create my own stage and my own place for people to collectively come for information, for what they needed and getting really relying on getting in front of eyeballs organically as much as possible, as well as um, word of mouth, because this space is very small still. The creator economy is so new that people don't even really know 100% what it is. It's like Web3 and NFTs. We're still kind of sitting here going, is this something that's uh, that I want to jump into? And for those of us who have been in it longer than what it's been called the creator economy in these last couple of years, you're going to start seeing more and more 
people talk about this. We see it on Forbes. We see it on Entrepreneur. We see it on all these big magazines and coverage. So it's only going to start snowballing more and more. And so people who are jumping in now, you have the advantage of being an early mover, which means that you're going to see all of the benefits of jumping in early and taking the chance on it. Absolutely. No, yeah. I mean, I completely agree. I had something I was going to say and I completely lost my train of thought. So we'll move on to the next question. But um, with all of your success, what is your biggest challenge today? I think that my biggest challenge has always been hiring because I think as an entrepreneur, you tend to want to wear all the hats because you learned how to learn to wear all the hats. And so as you grow, you start putting on, oh, I'm a website designer. I'm the email marketer. I'm the social media manager. And it's hard to be like, I'm going to pass this over to you and I'm going to trust you 100%. And mm-hmm. over the years, it's it gets better as you do it more. And I think that that's really what I've learned is that sometimes you have to hire a bad hire and realize, okay, here's what I did wrong. Here's how I could have trained better. And here's what I need to look out for when I'm hiring somebody else. Here's questions I need to ask. And a great way to do this is actually go and apply for different jobs and see what questions that they're asking with no intention of getting the job. But the idea is what are people looking for in the same kind of position that I'm looking for? So if you're looking for a VA, go through an application and see what they're asking. And a lot of them are just right. All the questions are right there. So you can just be like, okay, um, there was one that had a typing test, which I would have never thought to add to a application, but I was like, oh, I see why they're adding something like that because it's something that tells them information that is valuable for what they're trying, the kind of tasks that they're trying to do. So figuring out what kind of task you have. And as an entrepreneur, I think that for me, it was one of those things where I had to actually sit down and write out each step of what I was doing because it was so easy to just be like, okay, well, I just did it because it's so easy and I've done it so many times that it's, you forget the steps that you're not thinking about that somebody else would need to know what buttons you need to push. And that has been the biggest struggle for me. But I think that, you know, like I said, it's one of those things that it gets better over time. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you're talking about this because I feel like not enough people do where it's, you know, entrepreneurship is trial and error. And there's absolutely no reason why hiring people wouldn't be the exact same thing. So it's it's really smart going through the same kind of applications that you want to put out and figuring out what questions, what are you missing and learning from other people who are in the position that you'd like to be in. Mm-hmm. So it's great. That's a really, really good nugget. Really good nugget. Yeah, thank you. Where do you think that you might get stuck or slowed down within the next 12 months? I think honestly, it comes down to the algorithm always slows you down here and there because you get used to here's the system that is working currently. And then we always know in three to six months, it's going to change again. So always having that in the back of my mind. Um, But I'm also focusing primarily on how am I growing things that don't change. So email doesn't change. LinkedIn uh, newsletters haven't changed in years. So I'm confident that that's not going to be an issue. And Mm -hmm. using strategies that are around that, stages really haven't changed, even with COVID and all of that. The same idea applies and being able to just tweak here and there. So I, I view everything as a dashboard. So like if you're looking at your car and you've got how much gas you have, how hot or cold the engine is, 
how fast you're going and having those couple of metrics that you're looking at consistently and saying, okay, how many leads are coming in? If my leads are going down, then I go back through how I'm getting leads, whether it's a quiz or a stage or um, I'm putting out a freebie somewhere and I go and I say, okay, which ones are slowing down so that I know which ones I don't want to put as much effort into in this season. And a lot of times that tends to be social media because of the way that things run. So finding things for me that are specifically for how am I growing consistently that are not changing. But I think that the algorithm would be the number one thing that would slow things down just because it is working like a well-oiled machine right now. Absolutely. And the algorithm in for all social media platforms is always changing and there's always something new to keep up with. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I like that you mentioned the quiz thing. I definitely want to cover that topic. What Absolutely. do you think about quizzes and how they work for lead generation? I love quizzes for many, many reasons. And I've been preaching quizzes for years. And if you stay up on like what's trending in the market, quizzes are one of the things that everybody's talking about right now. And it's because it's so easy to figure out who your people are and they self-segment. So if I have a good backend system, and this is where people go wrong with quizzes, I have to know exactly how I'm bucketing people into things. So if I have three programs and I know that I've got a lower level, a medium level, and a higher level, then I can ask questions based on those that people will tell me exactly where they need to go. And if you do this correctly, you can have the perfect lead gen where you're having a higher conversion rate because you're not having to go through, oh, well, do you need, you signed up for this PDF, great. But now I need to know where you're at. So I'm going to send you all these emails and figure out if you clicked things and it just makes it so much more complicated long-term to figure out where people are. So if you can really get that down, um, as far as getting people into quizzes, it's really easy. We, we've seen this with BuzzFeed for over a decade of people want to know who they are. They want to know about their personality. They want to know about what Disney character they are or what Doctor Who character they are. And so finding fun ways and not just asking, are you a man or a woman? How old are you? Things that we don't need to know right now, you can always ask those things once they're in your program, if that's something that you really need to know. I want to ask questions that are a little bit more open-ended. Like if you had $5 million put in your bank account today, what would you do with it? And the questions, the answers to that question bucket into whatever programs that I have so that I know exactly where I'm going and I know exactly what their intentions are right in this moment so that I can move them there. And that's really where my background on generational studies and psychology come in because there's ways to ask questions that aren't the same as just asking what do you want to do with your life in the next 10 years kind of questions. That's a really cool idea, making it like a fun thing. Because then, I mean, it doesn't feel as salesy. Exactly. It feels, and it's, then, it's more fun, you know? Yes. And then your sequences that are coming after that are something that is educational. There's the opportunity to get on a call with you. You might have a lower end, what we used to call tripwire in one of those emails. And just testing things out and saying, okay, if I make it to where they come in and there's a call right away, do I get a lot of unsubscribes? Do I get a lot of opens? What does the metrics look like here? And then changing one thing at a time until you do have it down. 
And it can take three months to get a really great quiz running. But once you have a great quiz running and it's shareable, that takes your ad costs way down. Because if I take a quiz that's for entrepreneurs and then I share my answer and I'm friends with tons of entrepreneurs and they take it and they share it, then all of a sudden that $1 that you've spent on an ad turns into several clients coming in versus one. Mm-hmm. That's a really cool idea. That's definitely something to think about. That is, that's pretty sick. Yeah. Quizzes um, are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I see that now. Um, but let's cover a little bit about your podcast. Let's talk about mm-hmm. what kind of things you like to talk about it. Talk about on it. Sorry. Yeah, of course. So really when it comes to creators, uh, so this is anybody who's a creator, entrepreneur, course creator, um, content creator, anything in that vein. And talking about the whole aspect of business. What does this whole thing look like? Because a lot of times we only see one piece of it, of depending on what world you're in. So for me, I see a lot on technology because that's the world that I'm in and that's what the algorithm is feeding me when I'm scrolling on Facebook or Instagram, or I'm looking for something on the internet. That's what it's going to push to me first. So I don't necessarily get to see the mental health of creators. And so I really listen to what my mastermind of people that I'm in are talking about and pulling those people in. So we're going to have a therapist on the show soon. Um, We've had authors, we've had um, musical artists. And the reason that I do that is because I want people to see that their story is not as different, no matter what kind of field that they're in, that Mm -hmm. it's very similar. And one, it's so that people don't feel like they're alone in this the whole creating a business thing, because it's very lonely. It's not like you have somebody in the next cubicle that you can just be like, Hey, how was your night? Or how was things going? A lot of us work from home and don't necessarily have the ability to go out. Or if you're in a coffee shop, there's lots of different people there. It's not like you can just sit there and chat with somebody. And so giving that kind of community for that, but then also finding experts that are talking specifically about things. Like we've We will be talking about quizzes here and doing a whole segment on them. We've talked about finances and giving people these different resources, one, to highlight people within our community so that we can help them gain more exposure and more eyeballs as they're growing, but then also to give the people within our community that need those services that ability, because that comes back to having that community of people, of creators that are supporting each other. It's not just supporting each other emotionally and mentally, but also financially for those people that you do want to support in their business, or that's a service that you need and finding a plethora of people in all kinds of different regions that can help with that. Absolutely. It's, I love how much pressure you put on creating a community and making sure that more people feel like they're not alone. I think that that by itself is great. I mean, the way that you're marketing things is amazing as well. And the way that you help people, but I think that the creating a community part is also like, it's amazing. I love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, What have you been, I guess, your biggest pain points around podcasting? Honestly, it's probably the editing. It's, I'm really good at tech and this is something that I haven't quite outsourced yet, uh, but it's close to being next on the list. Um, And I like to be able to go through, because we use Riverside, which I absolutely love because you can make the little clips for um, Instagram and TikTok and things like that. 
which has been a game changer because then I'm not pulling it into another software. I'm recording from Riverside, I'm editing in Riverside, and then I'm pulling it into Audacity, which is a pretty low level um, system as far as a workflow, because I know that other people do lots more things. But the reason that I keep it simple is one, I want to make it to where if somebody else wants to start a podcast, I don't want to be like, and you need 16,000 things. My goal has always been I'm, I'm a tech stack expert. And so when I bring in a client, the first thing I do is look at how many tech things that we have and how many subscriptions we have, and we smush it down to as few as possible. So I run my business like that. And I think that as far as getting a podcast out there, that's the scariest part. And it's always the hardest part because it takes the longest amount of time. Getting on a podcast, talking to people, making the outro and the intro and having that all cutesy stuff that we see is the fun part. Like if I could just sit and talk to people all day long and record podcast episodes, that's all I'd want to do. Um, but knowing how to do those steps is so beneficial because it helps in a lot of different areas. And then like I have friends who teach podcasting and then we can go back and forth and talk about what does that look like for clients that don't want to have as many softwares that they're using. Mm -hmm. What if, what have been your biggest struggles around growing the podcast itself? The fact that it's new and that people don't quite understand the idea of what a creator is yet. Knowing mm -hmm. that I came into this on the ground level of what the creator economy is and having to very, be very specific about my messaging of who a creator is and pulling in that creators are entrepreneurs because not everybody sees themselves like that, especially when we come to the TikTok space and Gen Z. Um, they are like, I'm a creator. I'm a content creator. They don't see themselves as an entrepreneur. So they're getting missed on both sides because there's nobody supporting them except for like a few TikTok people here and there that might have a program of how to get more followers, how to do better in the algorithm. So there's not necessarily a community for them. And so mm -hmm. seeing that is actually where a lot of this came from. So the idea behind Top Shelf Creator has always been top shelf, like as if you went to a really swanky bar and you're getting the top shelf best of the best alcohol. That was really where this came from. As I was sitting around and I was like, what would the best of the best, where would they gather? And a lot of times that comes around food and drink. And so some of the other ideas that we came up with, um, my coach and I were things that had already been taken or the domain wasn't available. And I was like, I really want something that is going to be easy for people to find and easy for me to talk about. And so that's where that top shelf idea came from. And originally we were going to go with entrepreneur, but because of this creator space, these influencers, these content creators, authors, they don't necessarily see themselves as entrepreneurs. They see themselves as creators. So being able to do the messaging behind both of those and push that has been the most difficult piece. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, and maybe, maybe it's a dumb question, but why do you believe that the, that it's important for the creator specifically to have that creator label and not just be under the like entrepreneur blanket? Yeah, no, that's actually a great question. The reason is, is because if you don't see yourself as one thing, as soon as somebody says the word, your brain shuts off because we've got so many inputs coming in every single day. If I already know that I'm calling myself a content creator 
or I'm an artist, which makes me a creator, then it's easy for me to say, oh, yes, this is for me. And then entrepreneurs, it's easier for them to see themselves as creators because of the fact that we have this creator economy. And the nice thing about having that last word economy attached to it is that we know that there's money involved. So that's where the entrepreneurs come in. And so we've already been seeing market research wise that entrepreneurs are starting to see and call themselves interchangeably creator and entrepreneur. It was the creators that weren't interchangeably calling themselves an entrepreneur, which is why we mm-hmm. went with creator name. Creator. Gotcha. All right. Last question. What is your favorite thing about podcasting? My favorite thing is getting to meet new people and to really grow. I purposely only invite people on the show that I feel would be a friend. So if I'm scrolling on TikTok and I see somebody several times and I'm like, we have a lot of the same ideas, or I really like how they're thinking about this, or, oh, I never thought about it that way. I will purposely go out of my way to invite them on the show. Whether they say yes or not is totally up to them. But I've had several people come on the show and I'm like, oh my gosh, you and I are like best friends now. And that has been a really cool way to see the community grow because that's what people forget when it comes to podcasting, being on stages is when I have a community and you come on my show, my community is becoming your community and vice versa. And so the more that you can get in front of people, we're just cross pollinating and That's why you see so many people in the space that are like, oh, so-and-so is friends with this person and this person and this person. And you start to see where these circles collide because we're all trying to find those relationships and those friendships so that we can grow together. Yeah. We like to be around people who are like us. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Cabrina, for coming on. If anybody's looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah. So I hang out primarily on LinkedIn. If you're not a LinkedIn user, you can find me at Cabrina Budwell on Instagram as well. Okay. Awesome. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like, and subscribe. If you're a six-figure entrepreneur would like to come on the show, please visit top100interview.com. Thank you. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.